0: Well, in her memoir, In My Own Moccasins, A Memoir of Resilience, activist and poet Helen Knott offers a candid and unflinching account of her struggles with sexual violence and addiction. On her road to recovery and healing, she rediscovers the core of herself through the indigenous women in her life and the traditions they carry to help her move forward. Helen now joins us live to discuss her memoir, her activism, and her uh, route to healing. Helen, welcome to Culture Shift. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having me. So great to have you here. Glad our connection is actually working out here on Zoom. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's really wonderful to talk with you um, about your book, which did come out a couple years ago, but we wanted to chat with you um, not only because it is International Women's Day, but we'll talk about this in a little bit. But you had a, a recent sort of viral tweet go out um, that grabbed my attention. But we want to start off At the beginning of of your book, which was listed for a a really incredible prize, the 2020 RBC Taylor Prize, a big Canadian literary prize for the country's best nonfiction just last year. So take us behind your memoir, In My Own Moccasins, there's a very definitive point that you begin it with, uh, a dark point that you found yourself at with the weight of the decision to begin reimagining your life, that things had not been well for you or within you uh, at that time. Can you take us back to the beginning of that journey?
1: Yeah, so the, the book starts with the time of my last use, and I was in a state of withdrawal. And I remember being on this mattress that was on the floor and the room was like cluttered with junk and in that state of withdrawal where I'm, I'm sweating and I'm pulling into myself. And this image of me like contracting and expanding, expanding like a starfish out in the bed and then trying to hold myself in place and really battling not just withdrawal, but that choice of whether I choose to, to try to live, to fight, um, or to disappear and kind of succumb to the violence that has been present within my life.
0: And what was it that pushed you to that point of, of wanting to, to seek out healing and what were the the, the, the gateways to that?
1: Yeah, uh, a few nights before that I had, um, uh, I talked with a, a Anishinaabe Kwe, so a woman uh, from out east because I'm in the west side of Canada And I called her because I knew that she couldn't send people to track me down (laughs) too. And um, we had a a conversation and she put a call out for people to flood me with messages of love and light. And I had stopped looking at my phone because a lot of the messages were the same. They were really angry um, and, and mean. And I remember withdrawing in that bed and reaching for the phone. And when I looked at it, there were all of these messages from women that I had met from across the country saying, you know, you're worth fighting for and you're a warrior. Life wouldn't be the same without you. And being in that state where I had forgotten how to see myself, you know, I didn't see those good parts anymore that that really spoke life back into me. And in particular, there was one text that came in from a little boy from my community. And he was our chief's son at the time. And um, my son and, and I had lived with them shortly for a summer and we did work or while I was doing work in the community and a text was from him and he just said, Helen, where are you? Please be okay. And this little boy, um, his dad had lost his fight with addiction and had committed suicide I think the summer before. And in that moment, I was like, okay, you know, I can disappear and go down this road that has been not necessarily predestined, but kind of written out like a path by colonial violence, or I can choose to, to fight and live. And I made that choice there in that bed that day.
0: Well, you know, your your role as an activist and a writer has, has been so much about highlighting and bringing to attention that colonial violence and that intergenerational trauma that has happened uh, in your community. Uh, and also within the first few pages of your book, you write that it's, that you didn't necessarily write it to educate or inform people on the outside about issues of violence against indigenous women. Uh, but you write that this memoir is really for women who have been through or are going through those profound effects of personal and intergenerational violence. What was important for you about reaching out to that particular audience of women?
1: Yes, I think like when you first initially get into, I say like quote unquote activism, because sometimes it's just what you you have to do in order to survive and create some space for your loved ones and your community, um, is that I I think a lot of that you're engaged with an audience and you have to, like, the are to be seen as human or that your issues matter. And that has such a, a not a good feeling to it. And so when I wrote this book, someone told me that, like, oh, this is going to be great to educate people about um, issues that impact Indigenous women. And I was like, well, I don't want it for that. I don't want to write a whole book to educate people. Rather, I want this book for for women who have similar stories, who've been through, um, you know, the gauntlet of like sexual violence and have had a hard time healing. Because I know that there are so many women who live with those stories up until their old age and never tell anybody, and I know that too, because people have reached out to me before thinking that they were the only one
0: and Helen, I think it's so beautiful. I want to talk about the, the viral tweet that uh, you were a part of a few weeks ago. But, you know, as I'm looking at some of the reviews, which I love going to Goodreads, of course, because you're getting real people's reviews of the book, uh, just story after story from women saying this book is so important. I spent so much of an underline and circling it here. This book may be more emotional than I felt reading in a long while. Uh, this book is amazing. I felt like I was reading my own story. Um, you know, talk about some of the impact that that you've heard from from other women. And, and again, you went viral a couple of weeks ago because a <laughs> w- w- person reached out to you who was having a, a women's book club, uh, of course, over Zoom because of the pandemic this past year. And they were reading your book, In My Own Moccasins. And uh, you set up a little bit of a surprise for them.
1: Yeah. Oh, she messaged me on Instagram and we were following each other at that time. And she just said, Hey, my book club is reading your book. We're going to meet tonight. And so I messaged her back and just kind of getting some more information. And then when she said, um, this book club has been our saving grace throughout COVID, I was like, okay, like, do you want me to jump in and surprise everybody? Like, cause that would be fun. <laughs> and so, um, later that night, I, popped on and it was cute because all of their, their reactions were like, oh, no, what, what, oh my gosh. <laughs> and um, after that, even with the tweet going viral, I tried to pull them in for for different interviews that I was doing. Um, and one of them messaged me after and she said, this has been my wildest 24 hours in the past 12 months. Like, Thank you. And it made me happy. <laughs>
0: That's wonderful. Again, we're talking to Helen Knott, the author and writer, uh, the author and activist uh, of the memoir In My Own Moccasins, A Memoir of Resilience, which came out in 2019. Helen, we don't have too much time coming left. We want to have you read a portion uh, of a poem that you wrote in 2016 as well, but you do have some new work out on, on the way.
1: Yeah, I have a, a book coming out in 2023 called Becoming a Matriarch. So that's my my second book. And... Do you want me to read the poem
0: now? Yes, please. Yes, and we'll love okay. to have you back on when uh, when that book comes out. But I, our our uh, culture shift uh, assistant producer Latoya Cross really wanted you to read this poem, "Breathe," that you wrote, okay. or or at least I read in twenty sixteen. Would you read it for us now? Okay. Breathe. Suck
1: back air. Keep that oxygen coming. Keep those. Pints of blood pumping, even if you want to open the rivers and let them run red right out of you. When you're this close to death, you have everything to lose, and no matter what you think, you have nothing to prove. Focus only on the present. Kick yourself out of yesterday's and tomorrow, while it's not here yet. Breathe. Suck back air. Know that it is the sweetest thing to ever roll across your tongue. Savor it. If nothing else seems salvageable, only keep the moment when the days become unmanageable. You come from indigenous seed and ancient forests have laid roots deep beneath your feet. You are walking on the bodies of those who came before you. Don't ever feel unsupported or alone. That couldn't be further from the truth, my love. You come from warriors unflinching and unafraid that's how hell and high waters were faced blood memories of brave still run rampant in your veins honor them if you are weak stuck in a full throttle spin to the core and you see everyone's life better off if you're not in it anymore then try something different let traditions and ceremony be your medicine let the ancient tongues of your grandmothers be your lullaby let prayers be the wings that give you flight. Let not another light be stolen, another of our own be sacrificed, not another lost to suicide, not now. So breathe, suck back air, even if you have to do it slowly with the lights turned off because it's too hard to live in the light. Choose life. And I know that this sounds cliche, but it's real when I say that things won't always be this way. Don't let your knees buckle. It might seem like a stretch right now, but one day you'll be standing proud. Know that your skin is the most beautiful shade of brown and you are still a warrior, but battles are now fought on different ground. And you're most likely feeling the strain and it's hard, whether it be from pulling double shifts, living daily with the stressors of addicts, being addicted or suffering from some other affliction. You are more than this. So breathe suck back air even if it's the hardest thing you have ever had to do don't tell me that you can't because i i've been there too
0: that was beautiful thank you so much helen awesome thank you so much for
1: having me amanda
0: and again where can people keep track of your writing and your activism
1: um you can follow me on Twitter. And I don't even know any of my handles. So
0: <laughs> I got it pull up right here. It's at Helen <laughs> underscore not K N O T T. Uh, looking Thank forward you. to having you back on when your next book is out. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. Lynn Knot is the author of the 2019 memoir, In My Own Moccasins, a memoir of resilience. She is an indigenous woman and a, a great activist and author. You can follow her at Helen underscore Not on Twitter. You are li- we're listening to Culture Shift on 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Much more coming up after this. Was a 99 Toyota Camry, navy blue. My name is Carrie Peshek and I donated my Toyota Camry to WDET. We have always admired and respected the reporting and the music that we find on WDET and rather than attempt to sell it, it was an easy way to give back to something that we believe in and support because we think DET is that important. Get the process rolling now at WDET.org cars.